Hey, Sydney, how are you? Hi, how are you? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Chalk Dust Podcast, where teachers talk about their experiences in the classroom. Because once the dust settles, every teacher has a story to tell. This is Kirby Alexander, your host. And today, I'm talking with Sydney Heckes, a teacher in Frisco, Texas. I've known Sydney since 2013 when she was a student in my introductory education class at TCU. I knew from the very start Sydney was going to be a superstar teacher, and it was so much fun watching her flourish as a student and teacher in the College of Education. She also worked for me during her master's program as a teaching assistant, and I got to serve on her committee for her final treatise project. I'm super excited to catch up with Sydney and learn more about her first few years of teaching. Let's get started. Hey, well, thanks, Sydney, for uh, meeting with me today. It is so great to uh, get a chance to catch up and to uh, just see how things are going, see how teaching's going in this very unusual year, and just in general, how teaching's been going since you graduated. So thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, great. Well, I'm going to jump on in. Um, and, you know, first of all, just kind of fill me in on what you're doing now. You know, where are you teaching? Uh, what are you teaching? How long have you been teaching? Have you been at the same school since graduation? Have you changed schools? Just, you know, all those kinds of things. Just fill me in on what's going on. Absolutely. So this is my third year um, teaching. Um, I am still at the same school that I uh, was a first year teacher at. I teach at Lebanon Trail High School in Frisco. Um, and it's been an awesome experience. My first year, um, I had two preps. Um, first of all, I'm a math teacher. I should say that. Yeah. Um, so my first year I taught pre-AP geometry and pre-AP algebra two. Um, my second year I taught pre-AP geometry and algebra one. And then this year I'm on the, um, those two same contents. So it's been a really good experience. Um, we have great, uh, teachers at Lebanon Trail, great administration. So um, I've been blessed to stay at the same school since graduation. I think that's pretty rare for a lot of teachers. So no, absolutely. Especially early career, you know, you might get a, a job at a school where, you know, you don't know much about school culture and environment and you yes. realize, you know, maybe you need a better fit. Uh, and so to find a, a school that seems to be a really good fit for you early on is that's great. Yes, definitely. Um, and so, you know, tell us a little bit about what led you into a career as a teacher. You know, is this something you chose from the beginning or is it something that you discovered uh, later on that you wanted to do? What's what's your story on uh, getting into this career? Yeah, so um, both my parents are industrial engineers. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something in like the mathematics world. Um I thought about accounting, I thought about being an actuary, I thought about engineering, mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, like, those just, the careers just didn't seem fulfilling enough, I guess, for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Um, and so when I was a senior in high school, I decided I, I did want to be a math teacher. Um, so that was my initial plan going to TCU. I double majored in math and then secondary education. Mm -hmm. um, that BA did require a minor in a foreign language. So I hmm. had that um, foreign language requirement as well. So I minored in Spanish, oh, okay. um, which was a lot. But ultimately, I thought 
my best bet was to have that teaching major, but also have the math major separate mm-hmm. in case I wanted to do something outside of the education world. Um, I still had that degree in mathematics. Um, so that ended up working out really well for me. I was able to complete it in the four years. And then I did the accelerated master's program um, where I did a master's in curriculum and instruction for math. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was a really awesome experience because for the first time I had classes that blended math and teaching mm-hmm. um, versus like throughout my undergrad experience, it was very like, here's your math class, here's your education class, you know? So yeah. the master's was super helpful to kind of blend those. Um, and then, yeah, so I started my first year in that uh, ninth, 10th grade math and I've been there since. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, one thing that I think is a, a little different about maybe math and science that you don't see in some of the other content areas is that each class you could teach might be very different from the other classes you're teaching. You know, like with yes. history and social studies and geography, there's a lot of kind of carryover Um but, you know, geometry is very different than than algebra or algebra two or trigonometry. Yes. Uh, and so uh, did you have to do a lot of studying on your own to kind of get yourself up to speed to teach those subjects, which maybe you hadn't taken in a while? So I think the answer to that now would be different than it was three years ago. <laughs> I think coming off of the math major, I felt very prepared to really take on any content. Uh-huh. Um, now that I've been stuck in the algebra geometry world, I think I would definitely have to refresh myself if I were to go teach calculus or statistics or something okay. like that. Um, I am certified seventh through 12th grade math. And a lot of people think like you go into a school and say, Hey, I want to teach geometry and they plug you in there. And right. that's just <laughs> not how it works. They right. kind of put you where they need you. Yes. Um, so geometry probably wouldn't have been like my first choice. I wasn't super passionate about the content, but <laughs> now that I've taught it for three years, now I'm like, Oh, I can't imagine doing, you know, pre-calculus or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely at this point I would need to refresh myself, but coming out of college, like, and really having that stable, uh, math background, I, I felt pretty confident wherever they were going to put me. Oh, that's great. Um, and so, you know, I imagine, at this point, you know, you've been teaching three years, you know, you've caught, you've taught uh, a few hundred students by now, you know, yes. and you've probably seen just about everything. Yes. You know, some of your <laughs> students do really well, uh, maybe others, not so much, you know, and so for you as a teacher, how do you measure your success? That's hard. So I think my first year, I only taught pre-AP classes. And that was kind of like, a little bubble I was mm-hmm. in. Um, yeah. I had students that like, if they didn't understand something, they would come into tutorials. They always were on top of their stuff. Their mm-hmm. number one priority was like getting that high grade. Um, and so that year, my first year, I just kind of measured success on, yes, their grades, but a lot more of like kind of the relationships I'd formed mm-hmm. um, because the grades were kind of a no brainer for them. It wasn't really like, I wasn't patting myself on the back when those kids did got nineties or hundreds on tests because I knew how much work they were doing outside of school on their own. Right. Um, and then my second year teaching algebra one on level was like a totally different year. I was, um, you know, like chasing kids down and calling parents (laughs) and really making sure like they were working at all. And a lot of kids just came into class and were like, "Mm, yeah, today's not my day. I'm going to sleep today. So I think, Last year, 
my, my expectations for myself totally changed. Mm -hmm. If I was able to just have, have my students leave that day knowing more than when they came in and whether that was assessed via just me asking them questions or um, taking observations over their work or giving them a little exit ticket. That was my success for that day. Not necessarily Mm -hmm. them acing every assessment, but just did they take away something from today's lesson? Do they know more now than when they came into class? And then of Hmm. course, just, I continually like base my success on the relationships I have with my kids. I, I think it's just pretty obvious to see if you, if a student respects you, they're way more willing to work for you. If Hmm. they have that trust and they enjoy being in your class, it's just a totally different student than if they don't want to be there. Um, So I think that's been one of my strong suits is just really being able to connect with kids, even if they don't want to be in math class um, Mm -hmm. and, and getting, getting through them in a different way than other teachers can. Yeah. And that kind of touches on a a question. I have uh, a similar question. Were there, what are some of the main differences that you saw between like actually teaching, like you're the, the paid full-time teacher uh, versus what you either experienced, uh, in your student teaching, your clinical placements, you know? So what were the differences between what you were expecting and what you thought teaching was going to be like and what it was actually like once you got in there? Yeah. So I think in reality, just every school is so different that student teaching is incredibly helpful to have the experience of like being an autonomous teacher, but every school is so different in how they operate and how their teams work that you really just have to like get into your first year of teaching mm-hmm. to really see like what it's going to be about. Um, my student teaching experience, I was in Alito, um, which was an awesome school. Um, but I worked like just with my cooperating teacher. Mm-hmm. I really didn't work with other teachers. And then I jumped into my school in Frisco and it's like, everything is PLC. Like we meet at least once to twice a week. We are constantly like, shooting off emails to each other, texting each other. Hey, Mm -hmm. what are you doing for this lesson? Or how are you grading this assignment? I mean, everything is consistent across that team. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a big change for me. Other than that, I would just say like, I don't know, when you're student teaching, there's not as much of a responsibility that when you get out in the field on your own, it's like you really have that full um, responsibility. Right, exactly. There's That person is not in the back of the room to come in, restore order. If things go off the rails a little bit. Yeah. You're right, the person, exactly. you're the person in the room that has to yes. do that yourself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I remember that, that feeling very well. Um, and so, you know, I remember for myself in my, especially my first year of teaching that I would, you know, sometimes just stop and ask myself like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Uh, so, you know, have you ever had those moments of disillusionment or uh, disappointment? And, you know, what's been your process for kind of getting yourself uh, back in the right mindset when you do feel discouraged or, or disillusioned? Yeah. So I would say my first year, my expectations for myself were just like exceptionally high. Like, I came in and was like, if they don't understand a lesson, I'm going to have extra tutorials after school, before school. I'm going to reach out after every, um, you know, grade that's not passing. And 
yeah, I've had to kind of jump off that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I think my first year I learned that as much as I care about kids, like you have to, you have to put in equal efforts. You can't work harder than they do because yeah. you're just going to burn out if you put in more effort than they are. Um, hmm. That my second year was completely frazzled um, because I had three sections of on-level algebra. And I would say out of, I don't know, maybe 70 kids, I would say mm-hmm. I had like a, a significant amount of IEPs and 504s that I didn't deal with my first year. And so mm-hmm. kind of organizing that and just coming into that world of um, accommodations and stuff was totally new for me. And so, like mm-hmm. I said, I kind of had to, again, change my expectations of, okay, these aren't the kids that are aiming for a hundred percent. These are the kids that are really aiming to pass and to just enjoy being in class and to stay engaged the whole 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I think I've just like been constantly changing my mindset, especially this year with Mm -hmm. the pandemic. It's, um, it's not like, did they understand the lesson? It's were they able to be on zoom and be present and be engaged, um, in a Hmm. virtual setting, you know? So every year it's just kind of, um, changed. And I think, that in order to get out of those feelings of like, like you said, like disillusionment and um, just kind of like feeling hopeless a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's really just a shift in mindset and understanding like we feel like it's our responsibility to save every single kid. And at the end of the day, as long as they have a good relationship with you and as long as they leave the class knowing more than when they came into the class, that's, that's success. Hmm. That's awesome. You know, and you, you mentioned the pandemic. And so uh, in the spring, you know, how did your school district uh, handle that abrupt switch to, uh, to online learning? So our school was actually really on top of it. They, hmm. um, our district, I should say, yeah. they took that um, spring break week and really planned um, so that the Monday we came back from spring break, all teachers were responsible for kind of quickly adjusting to the district's template for online learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and by Monday at three o'clock that day, um, I think it was like March 16th or 17th, mm-hmm. um, by three o'clock, teachers were responsible for sending out an email to students and parents saying, here's the new format. Here's what's going to be taking place. Um, and like I mentioned to you earlier, that was kind of the day that a lot of stuff in my personal life was also going crazy. But yeah. I think the district did a really, really good job in preparing this template for us. They wanted to make sure the number one thing is that students across the district were experiencing a consistent um, switch to virtual learning. Uh, I think they recognize parents have kids in high school, middle school, elementary school. Um, You're at different high schools across the district and they just wanted that consistency, mm -hmm. which made it a lot easier on us as well. Right. Um, I will say I wasn't doing a ton of stuff online before the pandemic. And so for me, it was just learning Canvas, learning how um, to operate online. Mm -hmm. But I honestly think that it's been for the best. I think that districts in general have been pushing towards a more virtual format, even pre-pandemic. They've been kind of pushing us to use canvas and to do more things online. Um, mm-hmm. this is the first year all of our freshmen, um, have our one-to-one. So they have Chromebooks. Okay. And so I think regardless of, uh, the pandemic, we were really being kind of scooted that direction anyways. 
So I think it was just kind of like a, all right, well, here we go. We're going to, we're going to do this now. We're going to go full force. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I felt really supported by my school and by my coworkers throughout that time. That's great. And did you, um, you may have mentioned this and I missed it, but did you, um, mostly teach synchronously like through zoom with all your students logged in or were you like just posting things like either videos or assignments for them to complete on their own time schedule so in the spring it was very asynchronous um our kind of motto was just give the kids grace um Mm -hmm. so we didn't we didn't know what their setup looked like at home right we didn't know if they had devices for all their family members Mm -hmm. and we didn't know what times they were available and what parents work schedules looked like. And so it was mostly asynchronous. I did have like routine zoom calls that I would just do, you know, day to day at a certain time. And the the kids knew they could log into those if they had questions, but it definitely wasn't like first period starts at this time and you are responsible for getting on zoom. Yeah. Um, so when we came back in the fall, that was the biggest change. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the same as the spring. Hmm. Um, But when we came back in the fall and had this, you know, virtual bell schedule that was regimented and students had to follow, Mm -hmm. um, that's been the biggest change is just there's much more synchronous with online learning. And have you been teaching this fall uh, at school or are you still teaching remotely from from home or some other location? Um, So I have been at school 100% of the time. Okay. We have six classes. um, So we have... I'm on a bell schedule of A day, B day, okay. four classes a day, yeah. um, each 90 minutes. And you, so you have three classes you teach in one conference period. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened to work out for me where I have three classes that I teach virtually and three classes that I teach in person. Okay. That was completely random. Some teachers have six and none. Some people have five and one. Mm. Um, so it, it just worked out for me that all of my pre AP geometry classes are online. And then all of my, um, algebra one classes are in person. Mm. Um, but I still do teach those online classes from school. So I'm still in my class. Gotcha. Yep. Which is good. You know, more like more stable Wi-Fi or or internet, you know, less distractions. Yes. I'm so much more productive at school and it, it's just so nice to like, really, I think the biggest thing is just like be with coworkers and mm-hmm. be around other people. Um, so that you're like continuously learning and able to help each other because from home, it's just so much more difficult. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I'm the same way I go into work every day, uh, except this week, of course, because you know, one day right. people will go back and listen to this episode. And this is the week that the storm of the century hit Texas. And <laughs> yep. we're still under like three or four days later under uh, ice. So, right. um, yeah. but most days I go into work. Uh, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And, uh, you know, you've talked a lot about your, you know, your teaching, your students. Uh, and I know that, uh, you know, one of the things that was difficult about, the abrupt change last spring was that teachers, a lot of them felt like their students just kind of got ripped away from them. Like that life Mm -hmm. cycle of the school year where you have closure, where you have, you know, you kind of get to wrap up things, get to maybe do some fun things at the end. Like just that stuff didn't happen. The, the the assemblies, the celebrations are kind of gone. Um, And so, you know, I know that there's uh, the relational side uh, of teaching too. And I'm just curious, how do you think your students describe you? Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
How do my students describe me? I thought this was going, I was about to talk about like a bunch of other stuff. Um, okay. okay. I'll think, let you come back to that later. <laughs> oh yeah. No, you're totally fine. Okay. I think they would say that my, my biggest thing, and I think it was Dr. Switzer actually that told me this is mm-hmm. he said, you need your students to know that you care more about them than you do about them learning math. And that is something that I tell my kids on the first day of every year that I don't know you at this point, but I want you to know that I care more about you than I do about you learning math. And mm-hmm. I think that just translates um, to them as at the end of the day, do I want them to master the standards and know the teaks? And yes, of course. Do I want them to do well on the star test? Yes, of course. And I, I really do think, especially like those core mass algebra geometry are extremely important. But in reality, that's not always possible for Mm -hmm. every single student. Um, And I think just relaying to them that I know your life is bigger than this class. And I know you have more than just algebra going on in your outside life Mm -hmm. is so important. And I hope that they they look at me as more than just a math teacher um, and more of like kind of a mentor and someone that they can go to. And I would say... That's definitely been true. I've definitely been a counselor a lot more than I've (laughs) been a teacher some (laughs) days. Um, Dealt with a lot of tears, a lot of um, just hard life things. And it truly education has just opened my mind. I mean, I went to, I grew up in a suburb outside of Chicago and then went to TCU. And I think I was definitely in a bubble and education has just really showed me that wow, there's a lot going on in a lot of people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they just sometimes they just need someone to be there for them. So I think from a teaching perspective, I would hope my kids would say that, um, yes, I, I am good at teaching math and I understand the content, but I really do care for them and um, hmm. that they can see that. That's awesome. And now I'll go back to the thing I think you were going to answer is, you know, when, <laughs> yeah. when you're you were kind of taken away from your students, you know, how did you, how did you maintain that connection uh, with the students knowing that, you know, you may not see them the rest of the year and and you weren't in the room with them anymore? Right. Yeah. And so that's the thing where I was talking about, you know, just give them grace. It's really hard because I didn't know uh, what a lot of their home situations looked like and I didn't know um, their availability to communicate. And so it, it was really just reaching out consistently on Canvas, sending messages, even if they weren't responding, mm-hmm. um, keeping that open Zoom tutorial time for anyone to just log in. And most of the time, those tutorials weren't focused on, like, we rarely talked about math. It was more just like, how's life going? And yeah. how are you doing? And what are what are you doing to keep yourself busy? And um, things things like that. So I think that was a big thing, just being available um, cause I think some people just kind of checked out and were like, yeah, not doing this anymore. Done with school. Yeah. Um, so that was the biggest thing. I also last year was our first graduating class from Lebanon trail. Um, okay. so we opened in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2020 was going to be our first graduation, our first prom, our first, um, like a lot of senior events. And I'm also, um, the sponsor for the student council, which is responsible for a lot of that. Um, Hmm. And so that was a huge thing too. just working with those seniors in student council and kind of help. They, they were mourning, you know, their senior year, like this is 
they started as freshmen, the only class in the whole school. Um, and they had been looking forward to April and May of 2020 for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really getting on zoom with them and talking them through that and, um, just, you know, I, I, it was really heartbreaking to see kind mm-hmm. of all these things that they had been looking forward to kind of taken away. So we've been, we've been working with those kids. It seems like this year, you know, we're trying to make prom and things like that happen, but we're still yeah. in the midst of all this craziness. So, I know. Yeah. 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 That would be really tough, you know, cause think about how rare of an experience it is to be a student that's going to be the first in the first class that goes all the way through a high school. I mean, that hardly ever right. happens. I mean, right. it, it, to, to, to most of us that, that, that never happens. And, and then to exactly. not be able to have prom and uh, graduation and those other final, you know, if you're an athlete, you, you miss that season, that final, you know, it might yes. be the last chance you get to play that, that sport. Yeah. Yeah. That's really tough. Yeah, And I think they were looking forward to just, being the first of a lot of traditions um, Mm -hmm. and kind of setting those traditions. And so that, that didn't necessarily happen in 2020. I mean, they'll forever be known as, you know, our first graduating class that didn't actually grad. I mean, they graduated. We actually had a graduation ceremony, but everything was kind of um, just changed by the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know that uh, some schools in, in Fort Worth, you know, they had, their graduation at the the football field and they would have people Mm -hmm. like families literally sitting all over the football field spread out. You know, I knew some did drive by graduations where they, you know, drove by Mm -hmm. with the, in the family car. And yeah. So yeah, we were at um, Toyota stadium actually in Frisco, which was really big. And so everyone was able to spread out and obviously it was optional. Um, but I, a lot of students went, and I think it was just really nice for them to have that opportunity oh, to yeah. walk across the state. Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, on a different note, if you, know, if you had one piece of advice to give a new teacher, like either someone who is currently studying to be a teacher or they're about to graduate and enter the teaching profession, what, what's your piece of advice to, to that person? So I think the first thing is don't set too high of standards for yourself because um, I think, I don't know if this is true of all teachers, but like (laughs) before going into education, I would watch movies like Freedom Riders and things like that. And just (laughs) I was ready to be that teacher that was just going to completely change the world. Right. Um, And I just had this envision of myself. And then, you know, you have those days where you're like, hey, everyone, and they don't even say hi back. You know, so it's like, it's, you have to come in knowing like, these are at the end of the day, adolescents, kids, um, and you have to give them grace and you have to give yourself a lot of grace. Um, And so I would say kind of don't set too high of standards and make sure, like I said, that those kids know how much you care about them. Don't get too caught up in the, um, you know, in the formative assessments and summative assessments and all these things. Don't get too caught up in uh, the crazy paperwork and just at the day, like, no, at the end of the day, know that if you do have a strong relationship, the rest will kind of, you know, follow through. Yeah. I think definitely rely on your PLC, your team, um, especially that first year to kind of guide you through um, a lot of just challenges. I was asking questions all the time. Um, and I think that's admired for mm-hmm. like a first year teacher to just be asking 
um, lots of different things. I would say definitely rely on administration too and um, for that support. But yeah, just go yeah. in with an open mind and open perspective. Know that you're probably going to make more mistakes than you can count, but um, you're still doing a really, really good thing and you're doing a better job than you probably think you are. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I remember so much for myself watching all those teacher movies, Dead Poets Society, Dangerous Minds, oh, yeah. Mr. Holland's Opus, and just thinking, I can do this mm-hmm. at least a good like 17 hours a day. Like I can, yeah, I yes. can, you know, because my love for the kids, their, their willingness to kind of reciprocate, like they're going to know how much I'm putting into this and they're going to give me all that back. You know, and I taught fourth grade. So that was... <laughs> And I'm just thinking, I can do this. Like I can, I can yeah. stay at work till nine. You know, yeah. go home, eat ramen, get four hours of sleep, and be back at it the next day. Yes, yeah. and and like you said, because you expect that reciprocation, and then it's sometimes just not there. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. But that would make a totally boring movie, right? You know, like who wants to go see the movie of 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 the really the real life of a teacher, you know, where mm-hmm. you balance your work and your, you know, you know, sometimes don't grade papers right away. Like, you know, these papers can wait a day, you know, or whatever. You know, that just doesn't make right. for a very good movie, but it's in, right. in reality it's probably more accurate and maybe there needs yes. to be a movie like that, so. <laughs> yes, definitely that's the other piece of advice is do your best to balance, especially your first year of like you know, maybe, maybe staying at work a little bit later, but trying to come home and not work at least, you know, I think my first year I was just like, I was answering emails at all hours of the night. Mm -hmm. I was planning lessons. I was working every, which I do work a lot of weekends still. I think that's just normal. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think that I, I didn't really have that kind of separation of like, teaching and then going home, um, which I think is pretty common, but definitely trying to at least make time for other things. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think that first weekend that a a new teacher or a newish teacher can like go do something, take a trip, you know, run a 5k and not feel guilty about it. Just, and just go back to work fully. Okay. You know, I think that's like a huge turning point for, for most of us. I still don't think I'm I don't think I'm there yet. You but. still get that little bit of guilt, like, oh, I could have graded oh, yeah. just that one extra set of papers. I could have put oh, yeah. 10 more minutes into my lesson planning. <laughs> it's the ongoing email for me. I really need to do like a do not disturb thing on the weekends. It's oh, the, yeah. It's emails that I just, I'm like, oh, but they really need help with this one problem right now. Even though it's Saturday at 9 p.m., I need to, I need to get back to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, you, you know, you think about it, like, are they really checking their math teacher's email, you know, on a Saturday night, (laughs) but maybe they are, you you never know, you know, it's always that one person who is that kind of keeps you, keeps you Mm -hmm. in there, you know, it's like, well, that one person needed that, you know, and they actually took my advice at 10 o'clock on a Saturday. So yeah, that's funny. You know, looking back on your teaching career up to this point, you know, what, what stands out in the forefront of your mind? You know, what do you, what kind of comes to mind when you just kind of think, globally about your teaching career up to this point? So I've had a really weird teaching experience because first year teaching is, you know, first year teaching. It's mm-hmm. hard. It's, it, you're adjusting to everything. Um, second year teaching, like I said, I, I moved to a star tested subject. Um, I had a lot of struggling students. I had a lot of IEPs, 504s. I also that year mm. became the student council sponsor. 
So last year was just heavy um, with work and, mm-hmm. and a lot of, a lot of um, long nights and a lot of feelings of, like you said, kind of that like hopeless feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended obviously with e-learning. And then this year has, you know, been a pandemic. So I feel like I haven't really had like a, solid structured year of like obviously I think mm. every year there's gonna be ups and downs but I really right. feel like my years have been like <laughs> the craziest possible first three years of teaching yeah um so I think looking back like I'm very proud of kind of the resilience I've had through all of it I think mm. there's been a lot of times that like you said like you're just like is is this too much for me is it is it too much work is it too hard am I giving too much of myself Um, And just kind of looking back and knowing, like, I really have made it through a lot of hard situations and, Mm -hmm. and I still feel good about, you know, what I've done and what, what I have given. Um, So that stands out. I think the other thing, and like I said, like the relationship piece is just the most important to me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I have my full bookcase in my classroom just filled of either appreciation or um, just thank yous and things like hmm. that written from kids. And that, that's what stands out to me about my teaching career is just, like I said, like those, those thank yous, those relationships I formed and just knowing at the end of a really hard day, like I, I am making a difference and, um, whether or not those thank yous are for learning math or for, um, just being there for them or just being a cool teacher, whatever they want to call it. Um, one of my one of my students actually wrote me a letter and she's like it ended with ps you need a cooler job <laughs> so apparently, <laughs> apparently they think i'm cool um, that's but awesome yeah i was like okay thank you um, i hope you find a job as cool as you are <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, but so i have I don't, one. Know, I don't know if all the thank yous are necessarily for being like the most solid math teacher they've ever had but just knowing like i have had an impact is is kind of uh, cool for me and definitely keeps me going. That's really awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, that seems like a good place to, to stop. I mean, I've really learned a lot, uh, about your teaching career. I mean, I've known you since, you know, I think maybe time. your first day at TCU, I was yeah. trying to re, re recount the, the timeline. And I think your first class at TCU was probably at the beginning of my second year there. And so okay. I have, I have seen like seen you from day one in the teacher yeah. ed program. You were my grad student for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to see like the other side of all the craziness, you know, yes. like, you know, as the undergrads, they always think, you know, like, like I'm, I'm this, you know, well put together, uh, or- <laughs> organized, um, confident person. And then the grad students who actually have to work with me on the the backside of teaching, you know, like the planning and all that, they're like, this guy's a total mess. <laughs> no, not at all. So yeah, you- no, grad school was, a, I just, I had no idea how much research, research y'all do. Yes. The biggest eye opener for me. Yeah. All the stuff that we do that does not involve teaching. Yeah. Teaching. Right. Yes, yeah. definitely. So, you know, all that to say, like I have, you know, I like literally have seen your teaching career since yes. like day one. And so yeah. it's really great to, to see where you are, how you're doing. The fact that you're, you're just doing so awesome. I think that's, that's great. So yeah. I really appreciate you taking some time to, to visit um, and uh, just to catch me up on, on how things are going. And I know yes, that the people who listen are going to learn a lot from this too. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for having me. It's, it's always good to catch up and I love 
keeping a strong relationship with anyone from TCU. Absolutely. All right. 